Welcome into another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. Coming to you here on February 22nd, 2021, on this beautiful Monday morning. Coming out of this, what felt like actually a surprisingly long weekend. I feel like, you know, hey, I'm not going to complain about that. I feel like most weekends are one of those blink and you missed it and you're stuck on Monday. But actually, yesterday morning, so Sunday morning, looking back on it, I remember waking up and actually having to legitimately question myself whether if it was Monday morning or Sunday morning. So like I said, that's a good problem to have. It felt like having an extra day. So coming off a three-day weekend, it almost felt like having another three-day weekend. And in turn, I'm feeling pretty fresh and ready to take on this Monday morning. Hopefully you guys are as well. If there's any new listeners to the podcast, welcome. I've seen that the Facebook page has gotten a lot of new likes, so I'm assuming that I might have some new listeners today. So if there are, welcome in. I like to talk a lot of sports, a lot of football, a lot of UFC, sprinkling some baseball and basketball, and also talk about some random stuff that whatever's on my mind, some Marvel or whatever bullshit that I feel like talking about. Today, I want to talk about there was a UFC fight on Saturday night. I want to talk about the main event, Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. I want to talk about that, the fallout from that. There was a new episode of WandaVision that came out on last Friday that I still haven't covered since last episode. So I want to talk a little bit about that as well. And then listener feedback. I got a question about, I don't talk very much about video games, even though I am a big video game player. So I felt like I would tackle a video game topic today. So first, to start off, as I mentioned, there was a UFC this past Saturday, it was UFC Fight Night, Blades versus Lewis. So it was a heavyweight tilt between number two, Curtis Blades, and number four, Derek Lewis. These were two guys, yeah, like top five heavyweights. Curtis Blades with a win. You know, there was talks about him potentially getting into the title picture. I mean, some of the talks coming up this week were asking how he felt about John Jones leapfrogging the entire heavyweight division to fight the winner of Stipe and Francis Ngannou. So there was obviously that the media, in addition to Curtis Blades and others around the sport, myself included, that felt that Curtis Blades was going to be in the title picture with a win, you know, this past Saturday. And then Derek Lewis, he was a guy that had 11 knockouts and TKOs in the UFC heavyweight division. So he was, I think he was at the, at the moment, or at, at the time, he was tied for the most amount of knockouts and TKOs. So it was an exciting fight with two like high-level heavyweights, and I felt like the story of the fight was going to come down to Curtis Blades' elite wrestling. I felt like he was going to be able to control the fight with that, and I thought he was going to be able to decision out a win. And as the fight got going, you could see that that's basically what looked like the game plan for both like both guys. It looked like it was going to be Curtis Blades kind of stalking and looking for that takedown while Derek Lewis seemed content to kind of just sit back and wait for Curtis Blades to make his move. You know, like right off the bat, it seemed like anytime Curtis Blades got close, like Curtis or Derek Lewis would just unleash like a hellish uppercut or just like a big bomb with his fist. And even Bisping was mentioning that that uppercut is a really great counter to the takedown that Curtis Blades is going to be trying to do the whole fight. Because it's one thing to be able to say that you have good wrestling and you're going to be able to take a guy down, but it's another thing to do it. And 
as you'll see in this fight, Derek Lewis was doing a really good job of keeping it on his feet. The first round, you would have to say, definitely went to Curtis Blades because he definitely was pushing the pace. I felt like he controlled the center of the octagon, and he was scoring with some good combos. However, that was just round one, and I feel like Derek Lewis was, was content to let that fight play out the way it did because you'll see in the second round right away, Curtis Blades tries going in for a single leg takedown, can't get it, and when you know when a wrestler whose game plan is to come in and take down the the guy with big power or like who's really dangerous with the stand up can't get it it's almost a matter of time before the st- the fight starts going the wrong way for the wrestler and that's exactly what happened with Curtis Blades it was just right away he tries coming in for another takedown and this time Derek Lewis just unleashed just a slick boom uppercut right on D- uh, Curtis Blades chin and Blades was out and her give her herb dean you got to give him credit he was he tried to stop the fight like as quick as possible like Derek lewis came in with two follow-up punches that you can argue whether they were cheap or not because curtis blades was clearly out after that uppercut he was stiff as a board but it's the, the fighters are told to keep fighting until the ref intervenes so it's like i don't think it was anyone's uh, problem there I feel a lot of people there was a lot of stories and tweets and on social media and people debating whether Derek Lewis should have followed up with those punches but yeah like I said it's the it's the referee's job to stop it and as I had also mentioned you got to give Herb Dean credit because it's not like he was slow to stop that it was just so quick the amount of time it took for that uppercut to land and for Lewis to follow up with those shots it probably happened within a couple seconds so I feel like that's just a case where you can't blame the referee you can't blame Derek Lewis that's just MMA baby like even Michael Bisping when he was commenting on it you know he obviously didn't have like the most problem with it if you want to see someone who took probably an unnecessary shot after the bell or not after the bell but after he was knocked out Check out Dan Henderson and Michael Bisping, their very first fight from back in 2009, UFC 100. I mean, that's probably one of the moments in my UFC memory that's completely burned in my mind is just seeing Michael Bisping go out stiff as a board and literally Dan Henderson just like from his feet, just like almost like it was just like hammer of God, Thor bringing thunder, just boom, just like right on Michael Bisping's face. So that's kind of... I feel like that's where the line is drawn for me because I felt like Dan Henderson like had almost the amount of time that it took for Derek Lewis to knock out Curtis Blades and follow up with those shots. I feel like Dan Henderson had that time to look down at Michael Bisping, say "fuck you," and then come down with the fist. So, you know, I think that's where my line is. I don't think that that was dirty by Derek Lewis. I feel like those were two top five heavyweight dudes fighting for a lot of money. And that's just just going to happen in MMA. And, you know, Derek Lewis, that's his 12th KO, TKO, in the TKO or KO in the UFC. That's most in the UFC's heavyweight division. So he's really proven that, you know, he can, you know, he, he is an elite heavyweight. He's one of the top heavyweights, you can argue, you know, of all time. It's, it's not like a flashy dude, but... He's a guy that's dangerous on his on his feet. He knows what to do to 
get a victory, even in fights where it seems like he's completely out of it, like the Alexander Volkov fight, he still is so dangerous that he can put out a dude with his hands. So, you know, Derek Lewis is an exciting guy in the UFC heavyweight division. I think that's why it was so disappointing when his fight with Francis Ngannou ended up being such a snooze fest because those are two of the you know hardest hitting heavyweights of all time so you thought there would just be fireworks there so hopefully we'll be able to see those guys match up soon or in the future Derek Lewis is mentioning that after the fight there was a couple when in his first interview out of the cage when he was being pressed he mentioned Stipe but realistically with Stipe being tied up with Francis Ngannou and then the winner of that fight fighting John Jones it's arguably that Stipe Miocic isn't going to be available to fight for at least a year so in that case he also mentioned fighting wanting to fight Alistair Overeem since Alistair Overeem's a legend and he think it'd be cool to add that to his list of names that he's beaten but me personally, I have no interest in seeing that. I feel like Overeem at this point is just like that. It's a, He's a legend. He's a name. He's had his time. And like I said, it's he's just a name. At this point, I'm tired of seeing Overeem get knocked out because I feel like that's what he's kind of known for at this point. It's like some of the highlights of of Overeem in my like recent memory it's Francis Ngannou knocking him like stiff as a board when his lip just like completely cut like just falling apart or you know it's like he's just he's just not the Reem from like 10-15 years ago so if you're asking me I have no interest in watching Derek Lewis fight Alistair Overeem if you're asking me who I would like him to see him fight Next week, there's another UFC. Like I said, they just keep pumping these motherfuckers out. Next week, it's UFC fight, now, fight night. Another couple heavyweights are fighting. It's Jorginho Rosenstrike, who's 11-1. and one, And he's fighting the undefeated French kickboxer, Cyril Gann. So I think those guys are... That's going to be an exciting fight. And I think both those guys bring it. And they both bring it on the stand-up. And I feel like Derek Lewis matched up with either one of those guys would be a super exciting fight. And be kind of a way to establish another possible number one contender. You know, there's other heavyweights that you could argue would be interesting to see. It's like Alexander Volkov, for example. Him and Derek Lewis had an incredible first fight where Volkov was winning the entire fight and seemed well on his way to a victory until Derek Lewis um, knocked him out. So you know Volkov, who's on a two-fight win streak. We talked about him on a recent episode a little while back with the win over, you guessed it, Alistair Overeem. Volkov is running a two-fight win streak, so he's definitely looking for a fight. So I had mentioned him fighting Jorginho Rosenstrike, but that was before I realized that Rosenstrike already had a fight lined up. So, you know, Volkov is a potential, the rematch with Lewis. I don't know if that's something that Lewis would want to do since, especially, like I said, Volkov was getting the best of him the whole fight. So I don't know if he's looking to jump back in the cage with that guy. Volkov could be a potential option for Curtis Blades. You know, Curtis Blades is going to be looking to get back on the horse and try to get back into contention. So Volkov will, you know, try to want to avenge 
that recent loss to Blades, and I think Blades could potentially want that matchup because he was able to handle Volkov so well the first time. So that could be one to get back on the horse, or he could potentially fight the you know the loser of Rosenstrike and Gone. So there's a lot of stuff in the heavyweight division. There's a couple young guys that fought on the card. I can't recall the names at the moment because, as I mentioned on last Friday's episode, I was only going to cover the heavyweight title fight. There's just so much going on. There's UFC every weekend. And I just, you know, full disclosure, I have a young son at home. And watching UFC on the big TV with my son is probably not the best influence, especially for a kid whose already favorite pastime is to kick everything, including mom and the dog. So I have to be kind of more subtle with my UFC watching. So. I didn't catch a couple of the UFC fights or earlier. Alexi Olianek got knocked out in the first round. Uh, Andre Olofsky got choked out. So it's, there's a couple young heavyweights that I'm going to look up and I'm going to make sure I have the, have the names for you next time. But, you know, those guys are on the rise. I don't know if they make sense for either Blades or Lewis at this point. Maybe you match them up together. But, yeah, the, the UFC, I feel like... The heavyweight division has a lot of things going on, and it's a pretty exciting division at the moment, especially at the top. You know, we got the heavyweight title fight coming up. You got John Jones coming, and a lot of young contenders, and some of the current contenders are pretty exciting, and we'll see what ends up happening. So now, completely switching gears, let's get ourselves out of the sports world. Let's talk some WandaVision. There was episode seven this past Friday. So if you have not seen WandaVision, Episode 7. This is your spoiler alert right now. Spoiler alert on Cali Green Monster Show. This is your last chance to not know about WandaVision, Episode 7. Well, there you go. That was your spoiler alert. So I'm going to try not to make this long-winded. I feel like each time I've talked about WandaVision, I always go, he'll just do a brief breakdown. And then I end up just talking for like 10 to 15 minutes because it's just, I start talking and then realizing I need to give everything context. And the next thing you know, it's just a full synopsis of the show. But I'll try to just hit some of the points that I wrote down. So episode seven, it's called Breaking the Fourth Wall. I think it was called that because you know, as they're making their progression from the 50s, 60s, 70s, all the different generations of television, this time is more of like the 2010s with like Modern Family with, you know, the interviews with the, you know, with the person off camera and stuff. So I think, you know, breaking the fourth wall, I think it's kind of pretty self-explanatory. Um, you know, Wanda's kind of tripping out a little bit. She seems worn out and her house is just glitching and stuff. So she doesn't know what's going on there. You see Monica, you know, Monica Rambo. She's the, you know, she's the, the sword agent that got trapped. And she was Geraldine at the beginning. You know, her and Jimmy Woo. Woo, 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 Jimmy Woo. Or her, Monica and Jimmy Woo, they confirm that Hayward, he's been basically tracking Vision. And they're believing that he wants Vision's body to be able to weaponize it. You know, earlier in the series, you you see that Wanda had basically broke into a sword compound and taken Vision's body so, you know, she could take him and resurrect him and have basically what's going on in the whole WandaVision show. So, 
you know, they're finding out that Hayward's basically, he's just tracking vision. That's the only thing that he really cares about. So, whereas we heard early in the show, it's like, it's all about Wanda. It's always been Wanda. You could argue it's always been vision because sword really, that's who they're monitoring. And so it sounds like they want, you know, that Hayward, the sword guy wants vision and weaponize it. And, you know, potential, if you're an X-Men fan, could that be part of the, like the Sentinels, the, those things that hunt the mutants. So that's something to think about. Just, uh, you know, just throwing that out there. So Monica Rambo, she, her DNA has been getting messed up. They mentioned it in the last episode that from her being inside the hexagon, at least I think twice now that her DNA has been altered. So apparently from the comic books, Monica Rambo ends up getting superpowers i don't know exactly how she gets it in the in the in the comics but i guess monica rambo in the comics is the second captain marvel and in this episode we see her break through the hex again and while doing that she somehow got powers so now you see her she can see in like either like in different spectrums and when wanda when she does confront wanda at some point she's able to be like fuck off bitch when wanda does some powers so it's like okay now monica has powers and she can kind of maybe use them to help either communicate with wanda or help figure out what's going on with wanda because when they have the confrontation you figure out what's going to happen but then the her neighbor wanda's neighbor agnes shows up and she's just like come on wanda like let's get out of here and cool down and stuff and this whole episode, you just kind of kept thinking there was something up with Agnes. She just kind of seemed to be a little sketch. Like she went and she like kind of offered to babysit Wanda's kids throughout the episode. And I don't know, she just seemed like a little off. And I felt like the show did a really good job of swerving us, the audience. Because last episode during the Halloween special... Vision runs into Agnes at a like, and she seems to be completely out of it, and you know, acting as if she's not in on anything, and telling Vision that you know Wanda's controlling everything, and oh, you're Avenger, can you help me and all that stuff? So it's like they did a good job of swerving us, making a theme like, oh, she's just a normal neighbor, and she's not this character that a lot of people were predicting, but then sure as shit in this episode. When at the very end, when Wanda is like meeting up or at Ag- or Agnes's house, she's just like, "Where's you know, where's my kids or whatever." Long story short, she goes down to the basement and Agatha reveals that you know she's the one that's been controlling everything. She kind of puts a little like spell on Wanda, and then just you know, kind of a catchy little little song came on. It was just like basically being like it was Agatha all along so you know she's she's not Agnes she's actually actually this character um Agatha Harkness and for anyone that doesn't read the comics such as myself I had to wikipedia this and you look up online Agatha Harkness is a powerful sorceress and in the books comic books she's kind of Wanda's like mentor teacher you know, like, so they're more like buddy-buddy, but 
she's obviously revealing herself to be a little bit more nefarious and being kind of the antagonist to Wanda, you know, being able to control and everything. Even at the end of the little jingle, she even said like, and I killed Sparky, which is pretty funny. The, the dog, the, the kid's dog that died a couple episodes back. So now we know it was her the whole time. I'm kind of interested to find out if she is the official, like, big bad of the show because even though she's showing that it was her the whole time she kind of gave off almost like a low-key vibe where you know low-key's kind of more of like he's a bad guy but he's also kind of funny and mischievous and sometimes helps out the good people so I'm not 100% sold that she's the ultimate bad person in this show you know, at the very end, if you didn't see, there was an end credit scene where Monica's snooping around and she looks to open. It looks like she opens the basement for Agatha's basement or whatever. And she can see these purple vines that were kind of coming out. And that's what Wanda was kind of looking at in the basement before Agatha kind of put a little spell on her and revealed herself. So these vines could potentially be like something with a portal, I believe, you know, and I think that that's how we could have gotten the the different with the Evan Peters Quicksilver who in this end credit scene shows up. And I think he said something like Snooper's going to snoop or something to Monica. So like, I don't know if he's under Agatha's spell as well and trying to like, you know, kind of working for her. So, or if he's not even like the Quicksilver, or maybe he is one of these other characters from Marvel. Like I've heard of this villain called Nightmare that I think he pops up from Doctor Strange, or um, the one guy I was Mephisto. I think that's the guy I was bringing up. He was the the, the devil character from Marvel. So there's people predicting that he could be one of those guys. But see, to me, I'm still kind of holding true with my X-Men theory and that the Evan Peters Quicksilver is Quicksilver from another universe and that I think that he's just kind of under Agatha's spell. And I still do think that at the end of the day, the big reveal is going to be Charles Xavier, Professor X, he's going to be like, I'm Charles. You need to come to me with Professor to join the X-Men and some shit. I don't know. I, I realized I didn't know what Professor X's accent was. I started it and I was like, oh, dude, I don't even know what to do there. But Professor X is still going to show up. X-Men are going to show up. Yeah, dude, X-Men are totally going to show up. Still not 100% sure that Agatha Harkness is the big bad. I think that if this is a portal, that there's some other big bad that could have been introduced that could be even bigger and letting, like, Agatha's kind of, like, almost like a third party doing the dirty work for that person. So, you know, maybe it's the sword agent, um... Hayward that's trying to weaponize vision maybe he's the bad guy as well I don't know this this show is really great if you haven't been watching WandaVision well first off you shouldn't be listening to this because I gave you a bunch of spoilers and stuff like that but this show's really picked up the pace if this is kind of any indication of the quality of shows that Disney Plus is going to be bringing for not just 
you know, Fal- Falcon, the Winter Soldier, but some of the Star Wars ones, like, you know, because the Mandalorian has been great, and they're going to have the Obi-Wan one. So with the high quality of WandaVision, I'm real excited for all the other shows they're going to bring out. So if you guys have any theories of where WandaVision is going to go or how this show's been going or, yeah, or just opinions on the show altogether, hit up the Facebook page, comment, leave a comment, interact there. That's where most, I feel like, part of the community is going to kind of build from right now is the Facebook page. So do anything there. And then moving away from WandaVision, before I close out the show, I just want to quick, quickly touch on some video games. You know, I, like I said, if you, the audience, wants to hear something or want me to talk about something specifically, reach out. You can reach out on the Facebook and leave a suggestion or you know, or if you're a personal friend of mine, you can message me on my phone or whatever. I'm not, that's not the best option for some of you who might not know me in real life. But like I said, you can leave a suggestion. So on the topic of video games, I mostly want to vent some frustrations at Sony because, you know, I'm a big video game fan and the PlayStation 5 came out in November along with the new Xbox. And when it first came out, I felt like, okay, dude, I'm totally going to jump on this at the first opportunity. I figured I wasn't going to get the first batch because everyone was, you know, I'm, I'm not one, someone who's going to sit online or go to the brick and mortar shops and wait outside to get it. But I assumed that like after the holidays, the rush was going to die down, but shit, it's February 22nd. And I feel like the PlayStation five is still more of like myth than the reality I still don't know anyone personally that has a PlayStation 5. I see people online on Twitter and on Facebook, and they'll mention, like, oh, I finally got one, but I don't even know if these people are real life. Just like with the rumors that bots are getting all these PlayStation 5s, I'm like, dude, are any real people even getting this? And it's fucking frustrating because, you know, you're just hearing the stories of scalpers taking them. And even to this day, I think just two days ago, I checked on eBay, just kind of curious to see how much the PlayStation 5s are selling for. And to get a PS5, like the actual disc one, so at the expense of PS5, it's going for like over 1300 bucks, which is fucking bullshit. You know, I understand that Sony, they could really give a crap because it's like they're still selling their consoles. But like in the long run, I mean, there's not people subscribing to PlayStation Network. There's people not buying the controllers. There's people not buying the games. Because if these games are being, if, if the consoles are being bought by scalpers and now they're just sitting on eBay, I mean, how is that helping Sony? And if anything, you know, it's showing that they don't really give a shit about making the fan base happy because, you know, it seems like it's more about the bottom line. The only things that I am hearing about it is like, oh, well, Sony actually loses profit like with every PlayStation they buy it, but they've made it up with their subscriptions and games. So that means that they do obviously make enough money. They're making some sort of a profit. But like I mentioned, I don't know anybody with the PlayStation five. Any of my friends that play PlayStation still are playing their PlayStation four. Cause if you're playing the PlayStation four pro on a 4k TV, let's be real. It's still pretty awesome. And I don't think if, unless you've played a PlayStation five and don't know what the difference is, it's kind of like, well, you know, my PlayStation four is awesome. You know, if I knew if I've been to the other side and seen how green the grass is, I think maybe my opinion would be a little different, but at this point, you know, the, the rush or the itch of 
I need that PlayStation 5 has gone away. I feel like the only reason I would get a PlayStation 5 at this point is because one of my buddies works in video games and he's part of one of the big PlayStation 5 games that's going to be launching this upcoming year or the next year. I'm not 100% sure. And I don't want to give too many details because I'm not 100% sure what I'm supposed to share. But I probably will get a PlayStation 5 just because I want to be able to play my buddy's game. But when you look at it, what you could almost thank Sony for a Cali Green Monster show because if I would have landed a Sony PlayStation 5 back in Christmas or around that, I probably would have not found the time or the drive to have started the show. So thank you, Sony. Now people get to listen to me talk and give my opinions about all this random shit that I talk about on my microphone in my Tesla. So I'm just kind of feeling like, you know, a Sony they're making it sound like it's like, how do we stop this? How do we stop these? You know, they, it's, it's kind of like a phony, like, we're trying to help you out. But they really don't give a shit because they're still, you know, selling their PlayStations. If they really cared about stopping scalpers, they would just make sure that these games, the, the, the things are being sold at brick and mortar shops. That they actually allowed pre-orders. Maybe limit purchase of PlayStations to only one per credit card. It just feels like they can do stuff rather than just being like, oh, we don't know how to stop the bots. I understand in 2020 that buying things online is kind of the is the thing that everyone wants to do right now. But you're not helping your fan base. And if anything, you know, you know, speaking for myself and I don't know how many other PlayStation 5 owners and console players have felt disgusted with, I guess, this next generation transfer. They've not made it easy. I feel like it's getting harder and harder every year or like every generation transfer. You know, I remember going from Xbox to Xbox 360. At least you were able to make a reservation. So even if you didn't get one at launch, it was almost like, I remember I got mine, I think it was like the day after Christmas. So I was like, you still got one. You know, I remember when PlayStation 4 and the other X, the new Xbox had come out, it was kind of similar to this where you realistically couldn't get one until after the new year. But I remember friends getting them, you know, by February, by March, and it was realistic. I feel like now I I don't even think it's going to be possible to get one until, you know, by the end of the summer going into next holiday season, which is a real shame because I don't even know if by then am I even going to really want one, you know. Like I said, unless it's – like I said, unless – Jeff, just to play your game, bro, like – you might be the only reason I get one, but so I think it's it's real shitty. I feel like Sony's really dropped the ball with this. The PlayStation Five looks like a real impressive gaming system, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm looking forward to being able to try it out. But it's pretty frustrating with how the rollout's been. So with that, it's been a Cali Green Monster show. I appreciate anyone that's taken the time to listen. If you've discovered the show on Facebook, welcome. You know, tell your friends if you enjoyed what you hear. Rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, also on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. And yeah. So hope everyone had a great weekend. Hope everyone ready to take on their Monday. And I'll talk to you guys later. This has been Dean Ryan coming from the Tesla Studios. This has been a Cali Green Monster Show. Peace.